You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Today's a significant moment for us in the life of our church community. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was, on a Sunday night, I was laid out uh, on the stage here, just really under the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, and I was going through a number of things and prayers, and I, I felt like the Lord whispered to me, John, do you remember being in here on your own during COVID when we had to shut church down? And um, you, you prayed a prayer, and you asked me to fill up the balcony with people. We've never had people in the balcony before. And when we're going through COVID in the natural, when churches up and down the country are losing up to 50% of their congregation, it's kind of a prayer of desperation as much as faith. But I, I saw a, a window into the heart of God and a vision of our preferred future. And I said to the Lord, yes, I do remember praying that. And, and then he said, well, look at it now. And I was reminded in that moment of that famous quote, which is misquoted, by the way, in Kevin Costner's Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. And, of course, in the actual film is, if you build it, he will come. Which is good as well, because we want Jesus to come, first and foremost. Once he comes, we also want people to come. And I believe with all of my heart as a church, um, I briefly saw my dad yesterday, just it's our daughter's birthday on, on Monday, so he just wants to drop some presents off. So just for a couple of minutes, saw him, and he just said as he was getting in the car, if you build it, they will come. I believe with all my heart as we build, 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 build in this church, people will come from all over the city and region. And what we're doing here isn't just a building in terms of the Hope Center or whatever we do with this building in the future. Isn't just a building in the natural and the physical, but we're actually building a story first and foremost. That's what we're doing today. We're building a story, we're building a culture, we are writing a kingdom script. We are changing the narrative, and it's a story of radical generosity in the city of Hull. And so what we're doing today with this offering is actually stepping into the already unfolding story of God's radical generosity, and we just get to play a part in that. This is his story. And what we're doing today is so powerful, and we've talked, haven't we, over the last few weeks about all the plans and how we're believing and praying the people it will help and the needs in the city, and the, we want to build aspiration and hope. We want to see many come to faith in Christ. But today, I just want to pause for a moment that when we step into God's grand story of generosity, is actually what it will do for us. What this moment will do for you and I today can radically change our lives. 
And so just for a few minutes, I want to talk about the power of generosity. Proverbs 11, verse 24 says this, One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. But I love it in the message. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. An amazing scripture and promise for our lives. You know, we live in a world right now where it's narrative and script and story, especially in a time which we call a cost of living crisis, where human nature and human instinct in life, but especially in moments like we have right now, is to hold on to stuff and things. It is perfectly normal and natural to hold on to stuff. The reason that is, is that when we experience, and we could talk about lots of different illustrations, not just with money and possessions, but when we experience any kind of threat in life or any kind of pressure, our instant reaction is just to tighten the grip of that said thing. Our instant reaction is just, we need to get under control. We need to manage this. So we hold on. So let me break it down. You have an income, and you have that income for, for bills, but more than likely we make choices with that income to do many things, to essentially live and to enjoy living. That's what we break it down with, to live and enjoy living. But when pressure comes, which we've had in this season, when the bills go up and things cost so much, we had a family day yesterday to gravity. Anyone needs a trampoline park gravity? Safe place, church, you can put your hands up. <laughs> so expensive for a family to go to gravity. The human response is to hold on, to control, to retreat, to protect, to tighten the grip of. Why? Essentially for fear. For fear of not having enough. The fear or the, the threat, if you like, that our current world won't be how it used to be. Our current set of circumstances, our current enjoyment of living won't quite be like what we knew. I'm all for, biblically, wisdom with managing finances, saving, managing, stewarding, Budgeting, that's why we run the Community Money Advice Center to help people with that. But a godly response in those times is not to hold on to what you have, but to open your hands and release it. This is the faith kingdom story. Human instinct, the story and script of the world is to retreat control, manage, and tighten our grip. The kingdom story is to release it. So what generosity does and what we are doing today and what we will continue to do in this church as we want to be radically generous in our city 
is an incredible act of choosing in faith, not fear, to open our hands out instead of keeping them closed. This is what we're doing today. We are releasing through generosity our hands and our grip. As we do that, and this is so beautiful, we are reflecting our God who lives consistently open-handed to us and humanity. You've heard us say many times, haven't you, during that, our moment of worship when we offer our gifts to God through our finances, we say we are wanting to be generous first because, first and foremost, because our God is generous. When has God ever, ever held back on you or me or humanity? We could spend all morning and all day and all night talking about the generous heart and nature of God, but this is ultimately expressed in the death of his son, Jesus, for our sake. You can never, ever accuse God of holding back. He lives open-handedly to humanity. In the first 300 years of the early church, when Christianity was birthed, what drove the incredible growth and expansion is that when the culture said to do one thing, Christians converted to Christ just did the opposite. And there were, there were a number of key categories of, of living where they did that and saw incredible fruit and transformation. And they essentially formed a counterculture and this was particularly prevalent in generosity. These Christians were facing incredible economic pressure because of the persecution. Because now they chose to leave their current faith and religion and lifestyle and family to pursue Christ. And so these people, the early church, they were philosophers, not just with words, but with deeds. They, they were distinctive, visibly distinctive. And they formed these habits of doing good, particularly with being generous to others and those who are struggling in need. Even their enemies. That was so countercultural, that was so radical. Why? Because they had experienced the goodness and the generosity of God. And so back to the text, and so the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So when we hold on to our stuff, which we're all tempted to do, when we're close-handed and we retreat and retract, then so does our story, so does our world, so does our vision. Everything begins to shrink our world gets smaller and smaller, but open-handed generosity enlarges life and vision and welcome and growth and opportunity and encounter and influence. When we begin to live with open-handedness, we begin to see miracles and growth and expansion on a whole other level. Why? Because we have transferred from us being in control to now God being in control. And when God gets involved with our stuff, that's when multiplication happens. 
Open-handed living also means, and we never ever want to talk about giving in order to get. That is not the Jesus way. That's not the kingdom way. Much of the church has talked about that. However, the Bible does say a lot about this particular area where God will bring blessing and where you sow, you will reap. And open-handed living means your hands are now open to receive too. The text says that when you will be refreshed, you will refresh others. Enlarged living, enlarged hearts come from open-handed giving. And so today we are saying this church, Hull Vineyard Church, in 2023, we will live open-handed to reflect the open-handedness of God to our world. And when we do that, we will see growth and miracles in an unprecedented way. And when we live open-handed in this way, we're also giving control of our money and therefore our hearts to God. I don't know if you've ever made the link between our possessions and our belongings and our money to our hearts. So for me, every time I step into God's radical story of generosity, I am declaring over my life to God that you, Jesus, are in control of my possessions, my money, and you're in control of my heart, not me. We come into a place where we're actually opening ourselves to listening, this is so beautiful, over the last few weeks, all of us, all at the same time, have been listening to the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, this is not mine, this is yours. I'm not in control. What do you want me to do? What a way to live. What do you want me to do as we ask the Holy Spirit? I want to encourage you, even after today, to continue to live like that. Continue daily to live with an alertness, an awakened heart, an attentiveness to what the Holy Spirit might want to say to you with our things. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Locate your treasure, locate your heart. Locate your heart, locate your treasure. This is how the kingdom works. And ultimately, church, God doesn't need our money, but he wants and desires our hearts. And our hearts are always the key battleground. Jesus said straight after that verse, linking treasure and heart, he said, look, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. In other words, what that text is saying, you cannot go in two different directions at the same time. And he unpacks it and says there will always be before us two choices, two treasures, whether on earth or in heaven, two spiritual realms, light or darkness, two masters, God or money. And every time we step into generosity, we are resisting the culture and script of the world and the spirit of mammon 
which is to have riches apart from God, and we are choosing every single time treasures in heaven, spiritual light, and God as my master and his way and his rule and his reign and his blessings on my life. So every time we give to God, do you realize what the power of that is and what you're doing? Every time we give and live radical lives of generosity, we are going to war against one of the biggest threats to following Jesus and our discipleship. And when we're doing this, and every time, and this is why every single week we, we make a moment, if you'd like to give or start on that journey, and maybe you're wondering why we're doing that, is that we are communicating to our hearts, to Satan, to the world, to anyone who listen, we resist the spirit of mammon. And we lean into the things of God and his kingdom. Every time we do that, we are detaching from mammon, we're detaching from slavery, we're detaching from fear, from small-mindedness, and we are attaching ourselves to the king and his kingdom and freedom and large living. And we're saying, Lord, we are positioning ourselves for an adventure, a kingdom adventure, where you can do only what you can do with the seed that we place in the ground. So giving is actually, and this is the, more to the point, is to do with our attachments. Because you and I, if you follow Christ, belong to a whole other world, a whole other kingdom, then we cannot ever be attached to things which are seen and visible and temporary. And therefore giving is not God's way of ever raising money, giving is his way of raising his children to a place of maturity and growth. I want to see, want you to see that this is always, always a heart issue. It's always a discipleship issue. It is always a maturity issue. It's always a faith issue. And how we use money to defeat mammon for 21st century disciples of Christ, it will be one of the most defining marks of what it means to be the church in our day and our time. Doing what we're doing with the Hope Center is completely countercultural to our city right now. It's crazy. But it will attach kingdom favor to it. We're already seeing kingdom favor that only God can figure out because we've entered a realm of faith. And so if you belong to another system, if you be, are a people of faith, if you serve King Jesus, if you're about the cause of his kingdom, if you want to wholeheartedly attach and be committed to all of that, then this is what it looks like. The gateway is through radical kingdom generosity. And so today, friends, if we feel led of the Lord to give in whatever way, Know this, that we are confronting the spirit of this world and we are detaching ourselves from divided loyalty and we are attaching ourselves to him and the economy of the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because heaven is our home. We talk about home here as language to help people, 
but we're not home. Heaven is our home. One carries blessing and favor eternally, and the other carries insecurity and anxiety. One of my favorite authors, Kent Hughes, says this, every time I give, I declare that money does not control me. Perpetual generosity is perpetual de-deification of money. In other words, we don't make it a God. And so, saints, today, we are giving to God and we're giving for the sake of others with this project, but I want you to see that the power of this moment and the power of generosity really will significantly do something in your life. It will shift things in your life. So let me finish with these beautiful verses from the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians 8. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, in the midst of a cost of living crisis, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. Note the combination there. Joy and poverty equals rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people and they exceeded our expectations. They pleaded with them, please. It's like we're singing the first song this morning. It's like, hey, can we just get through this so I can get to the offering? I'm longing to give out of my poverty to Christ. Because they gave themselves first to the Lord, it's worship. And then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, let's excel in faith, let's excel in speech, let's excel in knowledge and complete earnestness and in the love we've kindled in you. See that you are excellent. You have a spirit of excellence when it comes to the grace of giving. This is something I want to be Christ-like in. I always find this verse the worst of all verses. I'm not commanding you it's like a parent to a child. You know, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I want to test the sincerity of your love <laughs> by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and this is the gospel. Though he was rich, had everything, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. If we break it all down, that verse there, the gospel is why we do this. Because it all is because of Christ.
and what he did on the cross for us. That now he has our everything. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.